Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live as we start another work week. I'm so glad that you've joined us for today's program. And so my name is Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley, and I will be hosting this afternoon for the next hour, ready to take your calls, your questions, your prayer requests, to be able to talk to you about the things of the Lord to share with you the scriptures, to pray with you, to uh, encourage you any way that I can. So give me a call. As you just heard, the uh, op- the uh, call-in number is 303-690-3000. We do have all open lines. Grab one of those open lines early, and uh, that way you won't be put on hold, and we can get to your question or your prayer request. So 303-690-3000 is the number to call and this really is, it has been mentioned by me and other hosts that this is really your show. This is an opportunity for you to be able to ask the question that's been on your heart, on your mind. Uh, it's a question that probably others have been asking or wondering about. So it's not only a benefit to you, but it is a benefit for others that are listening and tuned in to Calvary Live. Also, it gives you the opportunity to be able to minister to others because these questions uh, usually aren't unique, uh, and there are other people that uh, have questions, and you're able to minister God's truth to them and encouragement to them. So give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. I want to welcome all those who are listening in on Grace FM. You're listening live on this rainy Monday, and we've been getting some rain. We've got good moisture this spring and it is going to green up. I know those hills are going to be green, and the, the runoff's going to begin, and it's beneficial, and and uh, so what a blessing to have it, and looking forward to entering into the summer season here uh, pretty soon, and, and it won't be long, and uh, it's going to start getting warm. So, uh, so blessed to be with you in this time of the year. It's such a blessing as well. Give me a call, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number, and as you know, that there is another means and another way for you to be able to ask a question or to be able to ask for prayer, and that's through a dedicated text line, and that is 720-336-0897. So I would encourage you, put those two numbers in your contacts. So whenever you want to get a hold of us or ask a question or prayer request, you can just pull it up. The call in 303-690-3000. The text is 720-336-0897. It is there for you and would love to talk to you. So I've got a couple open lines, two open lines, and we're going to go to the phone lines in just a minute. So grab another uh, line that is open, and we're going to begin uh, by going to the callers. But I do want to welcome all those who are listening on the East Coast on Truth and Hope FM so glad to be connected with you and uh, those who are listening online as well. 
Uh, welcome to today's program. Wherever you're at in the United States, that call-in number 303-690-3000 will be a blessing to you because I know there's those listening from uh, the Northwest, clear to the East Coast and down South and in Southern California. We welcome you to call in. So glad that you can join us. And then also just a quick reminder, those of you listening on Hope or Truth FM or any other radio network, uh, that you are week delayed as you're listening to the program. But you can call in. We can have our discussion and talk, and then you can listen to it next week. Got a couple open lines, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Annie in Denver. Annie? Yes, sir. You're on Calvary Live. Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you for asking. Yes, I was just wondering... Uh, when Jesus went to the temple and he threw everybody out because they were doing some type of business, um, I wanted mm-hmm. to know which temple was that. Was that a temple that Solomon built, or was it a different temple? Yeah, it's, you're asking a very, very good question. Because mm-hmm. sometimes as we read about the temple in the Old Testament and then Jesus okay. in the temple— we wonder, uh-huh. is it the same temple? So just kind of a little background, um, and I okay. think it'll help you understand everything. But okay. Solomon built the first temple right after David. Of course, David wanted to build the temple. The Lord said, David, your hands are bloodied. You're not going to build the temple. Your son is. He's going to be a man of peace. So about 1,000 B.C., 1,000 years before Jesus, Solomon built the temple, and you can read about that in First Kings and Second Chronicles. It was a magnificent temple, Annie, uh, overlaid with gold. Um, you can read about it, um, ornate stones that were used. Well, that temple stood till 586 B.C. And, of course, if you study the Old Testament, uh, most people studying those historical books know that the Babylonians came in and took away Judah captive for the 70 years of captivity, and it would be at three different assaults, three different deportations, 605 B.C., where Daniel went off into captivity, and then 597 B.C., where Ezekiel went off into captivity. On Wednesday nights, we're studying the book of Ezekiel. Finally, in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed Solomon's temple, just leveled the temple. So that was the first temple era, the first temple period. It would be later on that after the captivity that Zerubbabel came back, uh, Zerubbabel, the civil leader. You read about this in the in the book of Ezra. Uh, and it was Joshua, the high priest, that came with them. They came back, and they would eventually rebuild the second temple. They It was a very modest building. It, it wasn't ornate. It wasn't magnificent like Solomon's. But what happened over time, right before the birth of Jesus, Herod the Great came on the scene. And that's why the second temple is called Herod's Temple. What he did was, is that he expanded the temple. He was called the Great because, not that he was a great man, but he was a great builder. And so he wanted to expand the temple, which he did. He made it one of the wonders of the world, overlaid it with gold, Matter of fact, uh, I remember being in Jerusalem, and our tour guide pointed to a a building that was 23 stories high, and he says that's how tall the temple was. It it was just magnificent. So that was the second temple. 
Now, when Jesus went in and cleansed the temple, here's the thing that you need to keep in mind, that there was actually two cleansings of the temple. There was the first cleansing that you read about in John's Gospel in chapter 2. That was in Jesus' first year of ministry. He, he is there. He would make a whip out of cords. He drove out all the temple uh, sheep and, and the oxen and, and poured out the money changers, overturned the tables, all those things that, that he did. And then he said, take these things away. Don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. So John records, he's the only gospel writer that records the, the first cleansing. The synoptic writers of Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the second cleansing of the temple, and that's right at the last of Jesus' life, last week of ministry, as he comes in to Passover, he makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, what we call Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry, and then he goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple at that time, and he says that you have made my father's house, which is a house of prayer, into a den of thieves. And what was happening, Annie, is that the religious leaders, they were ripping the people off. What started out to be a good idea of people came from all over Israel, they came from all over the known world, they came in for the Passover. Well, they were to present an offering to, you know, for Passover-ish, a lamb. Well, it wasn't very feasible to try to lug a, a ram, you know, or a lamb around for hundreds of miles or a long journey. Um, by the time that you got there, the lamb would be beat up and, and you know, marred and scarred and all of this. So somebody came up with a good idea initially. They said, why don't we have, when the worshipers come, some pre-approved lambs that they could buy? Well, that was a good idea. The problem was is the priests were selling them at such a, a exuberant price. Um, they were ripping the people off. And even those who were bringing a lamb, they said, oh, we found a blemish, so you can't use this one. But we have over here some pre-approved lambs that you can buy. They would not accept any Gentile money, Roman coinage. They were to give an offering at the temple. So you had to exchange that money for temple money, and they were doing it at a rate to where, again, they were ripping the people off. So Annas, that you read about in John's Gospel, was really the powerhouse between the high priestly office. And, and there's a, a lot to it, because when the Romans came into power, they said, we don't care about the, who's the high priest. We want a high priest that's going to work with us, and we're going to give it to the highest bidder. So Annas ended up buying the high priestly office for himself and then five of his sons, and Caiaphas was the high priest at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, but he got very, very wealthy in ripping the people off, and Jesus saw that, and so that's why he was so upset. And the thing is, is not only were the Jews coming into Jerusalem, but the Gentiles were coming in as well, because you read in John chapter 11 that the Gentiles, the Greeks said, we wish to see Jesus at the Passover. Why were they there? Because they believe in many gods, and they believe greater the temple, greater the God. And so Jesus, when he said, my father's house, which is a house of prayer, you made into a den of thieves, he's quoting from Isaiah, which says that my father's house shall be a house of prayer 
for all the nations. And it was an opportunity for them to be a witness. It was an opportunity for them to declare the one true God to the Gentiles who were also coming in to look at this magnificent temple, and yet they were ripping the people off. And there's such an important lesson in that for us, because what do people see when they come to the house of God, when they come to Calvary Chapel Greeley? Are we feeding them? Are we ministering to them? I, I don't want to ever have the mindset of we can take advantage of people or rip people off. So that's a long answer to a very good question that you just asked. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much. You are <laughs> welcome so much, Annie. Yes. I have another question, but I'm sure that other people are waiting on the line, so I will call another uh, time. You call me anytime, Annie. Thanks for Thanks, calling. Pastor. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. God bless you. Uh-huh. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. We'd love to talk to you, and very good question, and there's a lot in there. And, you know, the, the Word of God is so powerful, and to be able to have somewhat of a historical backdrop to it really helps and brings things um, to, to light as we look at those things. 303-690-3000, we got an open line, I believe. Let's go to Anastasia in Denver. Hi, Anastasia. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, thanks for taking my call. I uh, had a question about Luke 4, uh, 25 through 28. Mm -hmm. I was just a little confused about why Jesus was telling him about the, uh, about why, about Elijah and how the earth was shut up for three years and six months and he only healed, uh, Naaman, the Syrian. And they were filled with rage when he told them about this. I was just wondering the significance of why he told them what he told them well, in these passages. What Jesus does in Luke chapter 4 is he goes to Nazareth, and he opens up the scrolls. Now, remember, he was raised in Nazareth, so the people knew him. He opens up, and he went into the synagogue, and he opens up, and he begins to read that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty of the captives, to recover of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So in this, he's quoting from the book of Isaiah, and I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 48. I'm going to check it real quick. But as he's reading it, it's interesting that if you go back and you compare Isaiah chapter 48, uh, what he was reading, um, that we see that he closes the book. He doesn't read all of the passage. And the the rest of the passage is speaking about when he comes back in the millennium reign. But he closed the book. He said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they got very upset. They said, we know this guy. This is Joseph's son, isn't it? Um, Of course, they were wrong. He was God's son. Joseph was a stepfather. And he just, he's expressing to them that no prophet is accepted in his own country. You know, there are those who come along and say that, um, particularly those of the New Age movement, they, they have these theories that Jesus went to India when he was small and you know, became a famous guru or something, spiritual guru. There are those who say that Jesus, you know, was showing off to his friends when he was little and, 
would throw rocks in the air and then they turned into birds. Jesus was a kid that was growing up in Nazareth, didn't do any miracles because we know that John's gospel tells us that the first miracle that Jesus did was at the wedding feast of Canaan. So he wasn't showing off to his friends. You know, he was there working in his, you know, Joseph's carpenter shop. They said, we know him. So he goes on and he explains to them that I tell you, and in Elijah, uh, when he was ministering, he was ministering right in that area of Galilee. And he says that he's talking about their unbelief that a prophet wasn't received by the people of of Israel either. A prophet's not honored in his own country. And he goes on and he talks about that Elijah, um, many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. <laughs> we know that as you read, I believe it's Second Kings chapter 5, that Naaman was a Syrian king, was told by a servant girl from Israel that was taken off in the captivity, if only you knew the man of God, Elijah, because he had leprosy, that you will be healed. And so Naaman went to see Elijah, was told to dip in the Jordan River seven times. He came up cleansed. He became a believer. But the rest of Israel would reject, you know, the people of God were rejecting the Lord. So that's what he's making reference to. He's making reference that this is nothing new. You have rejected God's prophets. Now you're rejecting his son. And they were about ready to throw him off a hill. And uh, and that's why he would leave Nazareth. He would go and set up his headquarters in Capernaum, which wasn't that far away, but on the north shores of the Sea of Galilee. So that's kind of a short answer to what okay. you're asking. But, you know, and, and that's the thing. When you really get a feel for that, Anastasia, when you read the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, that they had rejected the prophets that had come on, that they had rejected God's word. And he tells the parable of the wicked vine dressers, that the prophets were sent to them and they rejected them. And then finally the son was sent and they killed him. And right. he told that right before he went to the cross. And he goes, I know what you guys are going to do. You guys are going to um, kill me. But he talks about then going to the Gentiles. So it's all, you know, in part of what he's saying, that he's rejected in Nazareth by his own people. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. No, that really answers my question, because I was just wondering if there's any significance to, like, just the people that he named or what he was talking about. But he's basically telling them you rejected the prophet and he didn't do that many healings in this town, and you're rejecting me, and I won't be doing any yeah. that many healings and, in this town either. Yeah. Okay. And, and Anastasia, one more point that I think it just remind me of. Jesus, when he ministered, he marveled over the faith of two individuals, and they were both Gentiles. The centurion there at Capernaum, and then the Canaanite woman up in Tyre and Sidon. He never marveled at the faith of any one of the disciples. He never marveled at the faith of the, any of the religious leaders. He never mar- marveled at the faith of any, you know, anyone from the house of Israel. But he did marvel at the faith of these Gentiles who didn't have the scriptures, who didn't have the prophecies, and yet showed just incredible faith in the expressions that they gave a belief to him. And so that, that kind of goes along with it. And He's saying, you guys be careful. You guys have rejected me, 
but you know, this is your history. You've done this. And it was Naaman the Syrian who became a believer. And he, he makes a few other examples in that. So. Yes. And my, my favorite story in the Bible is when that the Gentile woman, the Greek woman went up to Jesus and asked her to kill her daughter. And he said that I came to feed the children of Israel, you know, let them eat first. And she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs off the table. That was just my favorite story. It is incredible, Anastasia, because here's the thing. She had nothing going for her. She was not of the house of Israel. She was a woman which was looked down upon at that time. The disciples are going, send her away. She cries after us. I think at that time when Jesus would have said that, that I came except to the you know, lost house of Israel, I would have given up, but she didn't. She seized on opportunity, and she said, you know, he said not to cast the bread to, you know, to the— to the dogs, and he wasn't calling her a dog, but she seized on it and said, even the little puppies get the crumbs from the table. Incredible faith. You know, she didn't go away discouraged or any of that. She just kept pressing in, and it is an incredible story. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys so much. Thank you, Anastasia. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. God bless you. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. I think that we have an open line, so grab one of those open lines. I'm going to continue with the phone lines. The text line, by the way, is 720-336-0897. And let's go to, let's see, I want to make sure I get it, Spencer in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Spencer. Spencer, are you there? Okay, Spencer's gone. Let me see if I can answer his question. Um, maybe we'll come back to it. And But let's go to Rick in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Rick? Yes, hello. You're on Calvary Live. Thank you. Uh, my, uh, I have a prayer request with, uh, with a, sort of a question intertwined with it. Mm-hmm. Um we're going through a situation right now, and, and a lot of it's due to this COVID situation, right? Uh, the remnant, remnants of it, at least. But we got a call about a month ago from our landlord uh, at that point, and he said we had till the end of April to move out, and we didn't get anything in writing or anything like that. Uh, we do have a lease. He, he, as far as I can understand, broke that lease. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, so I guess that's my question. I mean, I we can get to that then. But uh, we have a place to go. Uh, the situation we have now is that there's people in there currently, and they're having trouble getting them out. <laughs> and they've been working on that for several months. Um, we just need a lot of prayer. We're between a rock and a hard place at this point because we want to be out, but we can't. And we're under a lot of pressure from this former landlord who he says he sold the place, but he's never uh, been willing to give us information on it. And, yeah, um, and it, it does sound like a difficult situation. And, and you know, there's a lot of things involved, and 
I think prayer is where we'll go with it with, you know, today and stuff. But, you know, there's different um, moratoriums, extensions, you know, because of COVID and all of that that have been passed. So you might look into that. Um, just, you know, what your legal rights are, you know, as a, um, as a renter and, you know, they have renter rights, you know, those things. And those are the things you might just start looking at to see if there's some kind of mediation, if you need that or anything like that. But father, I do just pray. I pray for Rick as he's, you know, it's hard when you're going to lose your home, your place of residence and Lord, it's been confusing to him and to his family and Lord, I just pray that um, somehow there be clarity and understanding and that there would be a place for him and his family to go. And um, Lord, that you would work it out and that he would get the information that he needs. Um, you, you know, if there's a mediator um, that can help with the legal matters, um, all those things. And, and it's a complicated thing. I know it is. But Lord, I just pray that you would just work on the heart of the the landlord, um, and Lord, that you would just uh, be with Rick and just Lord help them to, to be able to come together and figure this thing out, which would be best for everyone, and and there would be a satisfaction, satisfactory conclusion in all this. So I just pray this that you would work in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, so thank Rick, you. You know. Rick, Rick, I would just, you know, look at, you know, um, even if you just call and see what, you know, because I'm not a lawyer, I can't give legal advice, but your desire, especially, um, you know, as a Christian to, to, you can know your rights, you can, and do the best that you can. Um, but just go from there and try to continue to work and pray in bringing this matter to, to be resolved. And, uh, we're going to pray with you and continue to pray. Okay. Well, and that's why I called. I appreciate it. I listen to you all the time, and I just needed, uh, you know, know. A, a sort of a corporate support system at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I real, real quick, and then you can expound on it after I'm off if you like. But okay, he's 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 supposed to be a Christian, and I say suppose because I know the church he goes to, and we've been there, and. Uh, He's not the same guy he was, you know, even three or four months ago, um, mm -hmm. just by what he's doing. And legally, we're just confused on what we should do, you know, about going after someone legally who is supposed to be a brother in Christ. Right. Um, so that's that's kind of our dilemma as well. We want to we want to do what's right. We we want to honor the God in what we do, and that's right. all we've ever been trying to do. Yeah. So that's kind of where yeah. we're at. Yeah, and of course yeah. I think you you know what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says that if there's someone to mediate if you can get mediation and stuff especially with the the other party being a Christian that's your best interest and that's what we're going to pray for. But I also okay. know Rick that as you're desiring to honor the Lord that he's going to honor you with it. He really will. And he's going to lead you and he's going to guide you in that. Okay? Right. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, and really you appreciate your show. You bet. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. You know, one of the things is it can be hard in difficult situations, and you know, especially when it affects your family and everything. And and um, 
you know, but the important thing is to look at the Word of God and and desire to do what is right, just as Rick is wanting to, and to know that the Lord is the one that will honor that. He will honor that in our lives, and he will work on our behalf, and there's nothing too difficult for him to work, so we want to do that. Um, So um, we're going to be going to break here. we got a couple open lines. Um, So 303-690-3000. Mike, we're going to get to you after the break so I can... um, get to your questions so i hope you don't mind holding it's the only break of the show and we're going to be right back got a couple open lines 303-690-3000 then the text line is 720-336-0897 and so love to talk to you grab one of those open lines give me a text we're going to come back to the second half of the show we'll be right back Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And I do invite you to give me a call at those numbers, the call-in number that was given to you, and then also the text line, that number as well. I'll be repeating them in the second half of the show. But love to hear from you. we got a couple open lines and love to talk with you. And we're going to go to to Mike in just a minute, but I got a couple of quick announcements I'd like to make uh, while I got um, just uh, a minute uh, to do so. Uh, I would like to just remind you that, hey, guys, coming up on Sunday is Mother's Day, so be sure to show your appreciation to mom, you, you know, those of you who, uh, to your own moms and husbands, to your wives, and uh, be sure to get in you know, something special. So I just want to remind you of that. And uh, we are very grateful for the ministry of moms and uh, what a blessing that you are um, in your homes. And uh, so Mother's Day coming up. Also, as we're going to be heading into summer, uh, you heard on our, uh, on those of you on Grace FM, uh, that we're going to be having a Vacation Bible School uh, Children's Festival, June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. So we invite you to come to that, check it out. On our website, calvarychapelgreeley.org. It's going to be a great time for the kids. So glad that we can get back together and and the kids to have uh, here um, for uh, that Children's Festival because last year we didn't have it because of COVID. So looking forward to that. So look at the information on that. And, of course, check us out as, as on Sundays. Uh, we are in Matthew's Gospel, incredible study, 8, 9, 30, 11 o'clock. And then... On June the 6th, next month, we're going to be celebrating our 25th anniversary as a church. So grateful to the Lord what he has done in this venture of faith over the last 25 years. As Sue and I loaded up two small kids and bought a cheap $300 guitar. That's all the money we had. And uh, and just came up and started a Bible study in our home. Very, very grateful for what the Lord has done. And where he guides, he provides, and 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 it's uh, it's a privilege to be able to be here to pastor, and so uh, just so excited about the things that we have on the calendar coming up this summer, and uh, so I want you to check it all out at CalvaryChapelGreeley.org. But I do want to go to uh, Mike, who's been holding from Aurora. Mike, hello, Pastor. How are you? Good. Thanks for holding. I appreciate sure, you it. Bet. 
transfer. I have a question, if I may, for you. Um, mm-hmm. If you have any recommendations on a study guide for the book of Revelation. Uh, my wife and I were talking the other day, and I uh, was talking about the rapture, and she had no idea what the rapture is. So I thought, well, yeah. we need to change that. So, <laughs> yeah. so anyway, what yeah. did you get? It's a good study guide for that. And there, there are some, you know, there's a number of them, you know, um, you can get John Wovode, who was an expert, um, the late John Wovode, you know, I'd read his book on this, on Revelation. It's a little bit more academic. So, um, there is like a study guide, Enduring Word with David Guzik, um, which is a good one that's, you know, a little bit easier to understand, um, I use Warren Worsby, uh, his commentary, uh, very good to use and to understand on that. Uh, Blue Letter Bible, um, there's some studies. There's some studies, audio studies, that, you know, the Calvary guys have excellent studies on the book of Revelation. Um, and we even have ours. I did the book of Revelation before COVID broke. Uh, it took 11 months to go through all those chapters. And uh, so there's some really good resources out there. Warren Worsby, um, Enduring Word, Blue Letter, Letter Bible, um, that are good for study. Um, and then there's some great audio studies as well on, you know, the Calvary guys, you know, that, uh, you know, on our website, Joe Foch, I listen to a lot of him. And it's important that um, the reason I'm I'm making these recommendations because you gave a reference to the rapture of the church. And there are some out there that, you know, the uh, more and more growing in the church, unfortunately, is replacement theology, um, amillennialism, you know, they don't believe there's a millennium reign, um, that the Antichrist is just a picture of government, the 144,000 is just believers at large, um, that there is no rapture of the church or the church is going to go through the tribulation period. So, you know, um, I like to be able to study the scriptures in the book of Revelation um, with these men that I believe line up with eschatology and looking at it and explaining it to where it makes a lot of sense. And, um, and the book of Revelation is an incredible book. And also to remember that the revelation of Jesus Christ, that word revelation is to unveil. And it's not just to get all the charts and, you know, all the things out that are prophetic, which is great, but to see Jesus more clearly. And um, and so those are great references uh, that I think that you can start there and get a lot of good information. Okay, great. Yeah, Um that gives me a couple to choose from. And one more quick question, if I may. We go to uh, the Calvary Church in Aurora, and we're relatively new going there. Um, but I would like to start going to like a uh, married couples type of group. Would you have a, a phone number that I could call to get more information on that type of a Bible study, if you will? Yeah, and couples. I think that's that's good. Um the the number to the church is 303 6200 That's Calvary Church. And they will direct you to one of the pastors. And I believe 
that they do have a marriage uh, fellowship there. And the reason that I know that is because we just started a marriage fellowship here at Calvary Greeley. Uh-huh. And um, we used to, before COVID, had a young marriage fellowship. Now we just call it a marriage fellowship. Right. And we, we had our first meeting last uh, weekend. Uh, it's so needed. Uh, it It is so needed. And for married couples to get to know one another, so call them. And you're going to a place where you're going to have fellowship. You're going to be loved. You're going to be taught the Word of God. <clears throat> Calvary Church is a wonderful group of believers. And Pastor Ed's a good friend of mine. You're in a good place. You're going to be taken well care of. Yeah, Pastor Ed's awesome. So, all right, great. So thank you for the help here, and uh, have a great night. Have a great day. Okay. Hey, just real quick. There's also, um, I think it's... It's second Friday of every month is what I'm being told. Third floor, 7 o'clock on Fridays, the second Friday every month. And you can, I believe, email at marriages at calvaryco.church. So, but if you give them a call, they'll give you all that information sure, as well. Sure. Okay, awesome. Okay? Thank you so much for the help. I appreciate it. You bet. God bless you. Good to be in fellowship. Good to get to know some people at church. Those down there in Aurora, um, you guys got a great, great fellowship, a loving fellowship. Um, You guys are so blessed. Pastor Ed and the staff down there, they are awesome. I highly recommend them. Hey, let's go to our phone lines. Got an open line, 303-690-3000. If you want to grab one of those open lines or one open line that we do have, and then the text line, 720-336-0897. I am Jeff Figs of Calvary Greeley between Denver and Cheyenne, Wyoming. So glad to be with you, but we're going to go to Samuel in Denver. Samuel? Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good. You're on Calvary Live. Uh I had two questions that I wanted to share, too, with the caller that was previously. The Mm -hmm. book of Revelation on that, a couple of things that help with that is a good foundation of the Old Testament. So if people aren't really in the Old Testament too much, it makes it a lot harder reading Revelation. And just Daniel is a good book to go along with that, too. So Yeah. You know, Samuel, I, I definitely agree with you. They... Daniel is called the forerunner to the book of Revelation. And because there's so much references in the book of Revelation to the Old Testament, and so you hit it right on. Um, You know, a good overview of the Old Testament, good understanding of the Old Testament is going to help us in the book of Revelation. So appreciate that comment. Sure. Uh, My question is kind of twofold and kind of... Regarding into like the Feast of Tabernacle, um, mm-hmm. I was reading in uh, Nehemiah uh, last week, and it was when uh, I think it was Nehemiah where they uh, found the they were basically being restored to the uh, the Book of the Law, and then they said that they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, but it said that they hadn't celebrated that until the times of uh, since the times of Joshua. And I thought that was strange since, you know, David was really after God's heart, but he, you know, they didn't celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles during his time if that was something they hadn't celebrated since Joshua's time. 
Yeah, and you know, I think is it in Nehemiah chapter one because I know Nehemiah chapter one speaks about when Nehemiah hears that Jerusalem was still in rubbles, and he goes to the Lord to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. But I I also know that I believe that it's in Second Chronicles that when Josiah was the king, that it says that there had not been a Passover that had been celebrated since the days of, of Joshua. Am, am I looking at another reference to what you're talking about? Because that really well, intrigued not, me as well. Not talk, yeah, it wasn't the Passover. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast no. of Tabernacles? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, it was right, I, I think it was right around Nehemiah eight, roughly. I think. Oh, Nehemiah eight. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I think. Yeah, because in it, that kind of goes along with even what is said in Second Chronicles that they didn't, they weren't really celebrating the feast. But here's the thing that you got to remember as you look at their history that the days of the judges was four hundred years. They weren't right with God, and there was only a, a short time with David 40 years and Solomon 40 years. But isn't it interesting when you read about David's reign, when you read about Solomon, there's really no, there's no mention of Passover. There is no mention of the Feast of Tabernacles being celebrated. Um, we see that Hezekiah came along later and he celebrated Passover and would even invite those who were left up in the 10 Northern tribes. But there's really no mention of it. And then Josiah says that uh, during his reign, the last of the good kings before they went off into captivity, which is what about six six twenty BC, that he brought back the Passover as he cleansed the temple. Um, but it doesn't say anything about the Feast of Tabernacles. But you would assume that that would be a part of it as he restored temple worship. But I find that fascinating as well. Why didn't David, who had a heart after God, and Solomon? You think that they? It doesn't say they didn't, but there's no mention of it, and that those those had not been celebrated since the days of the judges. So that's way before David. So that's an interesting pickup on that. Yeah, and also regarding that, as far as the Feast of Tabernacles, my understanding it's kind of a foreshadowing of you know where, you know, God's going to be with us, where Jesus is going to be with us. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting in that. Uh, but yeah. the second part of the question I had was, um, I, I believe it's towards the end of um, Zechariah, where it says that, you know, all the uh, pots are going to be holy to the Lord for those who want to, uh, you know, bring sacrifices. And it's I just thought that was strange because that's supposed to be in the time that, you know, Jesus is going to be ruling and reigning. And so he's our, you know, sacrifice, you know, substitutionary right. sacrifice. So are there still going to be animal sacrifices, like free will offerings during that time? That, that just seems strange to me reading that. Yeah. I don't know. I just and I, out I was, time. and as you know, you were talking right before you mentioned Zachariah, I was thinking of Zachariah, the end of Zachariah where, the Feast of Tabernacles is going to be celebrated when the Lord comes back and establishes his kingdom. And it says the nations are going to come up. And it, it gives a warning as well. I'm going to read it just for the sake of our listeners. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plagues with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. 
So it's going to be celebrated. There's going to be punishment for those nations who don't come up. I find that all fascinating. Then Ezekiel talks about, in Ezekiel chapter 40 to the end of the book, talks about the Millennium Temple that will stand. It will be magnificent, and there will be animal sacrifices. There will be the, the priests that will be offering them, but it's not like in the Old Testament, the offerings that would cover sin until Messiah came. We know that Jesus died for our sins once and for all. That's why it sounds so strange to us, because, you know, he he did it all. There, And I think what the scholars say on that is it's more of a memorial um, than anything, why the animal sacrifices. Uh, but it does give indication that it will be done during the millennium reign. Yeah, I just, uh, those two passages kind of stood out to me and you know just it's always interesting too uh, a lot of times you have questions bible and I know. fascinating a lot of times you'll read through in the bible and the bible will answer the questions you have you just got to keep reading it exactly samuel and you know you're putting you're connecting the dots together and you know we're going through ezekiel and we're getting to that section that's very prophetic you know about uh, Ezekiel thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine. Then the the Millennium Temple, and I really want to look at that about the sacrifices. It, it's it's for a memorial, and um and I just find that fascinating that it's going to take place. And we know the Feast of Tabernacles being celebrated in the Millennium Reign. So good questions. I appreciate it, Samuel. Oh sure. God bless you. Thank you. Okay, you have a great, great evening. I will. Thank you. Bye. Okay. 303-690-3000. The Bible's so wonderful to study and start making the connections as we talk about, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles and that mention and and um, and then how it's going to be celebrated in the Millennium Reign and then, you know, the Book of Revelation and it's uh, the Word of God. You can never exhaust it. It's so good us to study the Word of God and to, you know, to, you know, just continue to grow and, and um, learn truth, and it's wonderful. So, hey, we got a couple open lines, 303-690-3000 is the number, call in, 720-336-0897 is the text line. Let's go to Hussein in Centennial. Hussein? All right, Jose. Jose? How are you? Good. I just had a quick Good. question. Um, I had a question about uh, declaring stuff when you're praying. Uh, and what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's there's a couple thoughts. I think that in declaring, it depends what, what it is that you're declaring. You have the faith teacher that comes along and says that you need to declare. You need to, you know, claim this. Um you know, and it's for prosperity reasons. Um, kind of like God can be manipulated. Kind of like God is the celestial Santa Claus up in heaven, you know, and you just, you know, can claim this. And and um, so that's not biblical. If we are going to claim anything, we're going to claim the promises of God. And as we claim the promises of God to stand on the word of God saying, Lord, this is what your word has to say. I believe your word, and I'm going to stand on your word. 
But it's not to claim anything, name it and claim it kind of theology that's out there that you can manipulate God. Prayer is not so we can just get something from God. It is going. We have intercessory prayer. We can give our you know, requests and supplications to the Lord. But prayer oftentimes is to get us in line with his will for him. And it's not just to treat God like a celestial Santa Claus. So, you know, I can go to the Lord in prayer, and Lord, this is what your word says, and and this is your promises, and this is your goodness. But when Jesus said, ask anything in my name, he's talking about according to the nature and character of Jesus, the nature and character of the Father, of God. And that's what we need to be doing as we go to prayer. So the naming and claiming it that, you know, you hear so much today about, you know, to get a new house, I claim it to get a new car, I I name it and claim it to get a million dollars. That's all, you know, um, trying to manipulate God. God's not a celestial Santa Claus. He's not a genie in a lamp that we can rub and, and name it and claim it and manipulate him. And if you only had enough faith or if you plant a seed faith, that's all false doctrine. But if you're going to claim anything, claim the goodness of God and the promises of God. And just, you know what the prayer of faith is? That, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And I know that you will not withhold anything that is good. And, Lord, that uh, you know what's best for me. And it, we can ask for things, but sometimes the Lord says no. And I'm very thankful that the Lord says no. Because there have been things I've asked for that I look back and I think, Thank you, Lord, that you did not say yes. So no can be a wonderful answer at times. Or sometimes he says wait. And he, it's hard to wait on the Lord, but maybe he has something better. Or he, it's not the right time. And sometimes he does say yes. So we can give our supplications and we can give our requests with thanksgiving to the Lord. But we don't try to manipulate God, you know, like he's some kind of celestial Santa Claus. Does that make sense? Yes, I just heard somebody in a prayer say that uh, I declare that I'm going to be free from uh, from hating this person, and I declare forgiveness in my life. Like, is that mm-hmm. something that we can pray or no? Well, you know, we know that God, the imperative for us to forgive, you know, and for us to, to love others. To me, you know, you can declare it, whatever they mean by that, but... For me, it's like, Lord, help me to forgive this person. I choose to forgive them. This is what your word says. This is, you know, what your heart is. And, um, you know, uh, those things of God, you know, the way he wants us to live and how he wants us to love others and and to treat others. And, um, And so, you know, she can declare it. That is maybe a declaring of her faith to be obedient to what the word of God has to say. Yeah, because I always think that I just I try to stay away from declaring stuff when I pray, just because I, yeah. like you say, I feel yeah. like I'm telling God what to do. It's more like yeah. let your will be done in my life instead of declaring something. Well, I I think there's some wisdom in that mm-hmm. um, because Jose, here's the thing: I can declare something, but I need the Lord's help. It's kind of like. The person that I saw declare something in the scriptures was Peter. Remember in the upper room, he said, I will never leave you. I won't forsake you, Lord. He was declaring that, you know, he was, you know, and he failed in it. And 
for me, it's like I know that I can be weak and I need God's help. So, you know, I'm going to declare his promises and depend on him to work those things out in my life. And uh, I don't want to put confidence in me. I want to put confidence in the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Hey, good well, stuff. Thank you for your Thanks. answer. You bet. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Let's go to Nancy in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, Nancy. Hi. How Hi. are you? So let me, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Um, Good. Uh, th- thank you for taking my call. This is the second time I called in. You guys are doing such a wonderful thing. Um, thank you for thank being you. there. Um, my question was, we were talking about the verse where it says, you know, if he's, if I don't, and forgive me, I don't know exactly, but I think it's a sermon on that where, like, if you if you get smacked on the one cheek, you offer the other. If they take your cloak, you know, you give them like the, you give them your tunic or whatever. And it was like my husband and I were talking, and like I, I, I he doesn't agree with me, but I do think persecution is coming to America. And I said, you know, they line us up to go to the guillotine. I said, he goes, you're just going to walk right up there. Like, you're not going to fight. And he, he says, I hope you understand, but I'm not going to go willingly. I'm not. I'm going to. So that made me think about rethink that verse. But then when I thought, but if I'm being, let's say I'm being assaulted, I would not, I would fight back. So I guess what I, I just don't know, like, when is it okay to, to fight back? And if you're, you know, being martyred for Christ, I guess you don't fight back. But if you're, yeah. does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, it does. It does. And and Nancy, the thing is, those are difficult things to think about because persecution could come. We know that we have brothers and sisters that are in different parts of the world that are being persecuted right now. Where the church is the the fastest growing church in the world today is in Iran. But they are in some of the most persecuted Christians. And we get word sometimes, uh, those who you know, families that are taken out and they are killed or put in prison for their faith in Jesus Christ. So we've had persecution going on for a long time. When Paul, when that is Jesus, when he says, turn the other cheek, there's, it's, he's not talking about just be a doormat to be beat up. Somebody comes up and assaults you. I believe that we do have the right to defend ourselves, um, that, you know, I'm going to defend my family if I need to. But what he's talking about is is that was an expression of that turn the other cheek, give your, you know, if you get slapped on one cheek, you know, turn the other. But insults, you know, there's going to be people that are going to insult us. There's going to be people that are going to, you know, slap us with with criticism and all those different things. And so, you know, how are we going to respond to it? And so he's talking about these difficult issues. I'll I'll be honest with you. The Lord's still working in me about that. And he's talking about loving your enemies. He he's talking about you know that go the extra mile. Um, you've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? In that section of um, the Sermon on the Mount, somebody you know insults me. I want to really get back at them. You know, um, somebody. Uh, comes against me, I just want to nail them. I want to get even uh, more than that. And the Lord is saying, listen, um, I tell you that you are to be one, that you go the extra mile, um, you go two miles, because a Roman soldier could put his 
compel you to go one, go the extra mile. And if somebody slaps you, somebody's insulting you and all that for your faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to happen. And what we are to do is respond in love. But I don't think Jesus is saying that we're just to stand there and be assaulted and we can't defend ourselves. When it comes to what a difficult issue, what you talked about, um, I, you know, are we going to be persecuted? That Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And, it, you know, it could come to us. I don't know. Um, but uh, those are interesting things and difficult um, issues to think through and, and talk through uh, in our Christian lives. So can I just, and, and you might not want to commit to this, so would it be wrong for somebody to use deadly force to protect their family if they're coming for them? I, I, I just, it's just a discussion that my husband and I have had. We were on opposite sides of it. Um, I just, is is that... Is that not right? Look, like I, I, you know, pray through, read the book of Esther. In the book of Esther, at the end, you know, that decree, because we only got about one minute left on the show, that they were able to, as that decree, they couldn't change that all the Jews were to be killed. But they would add to the decree that they were able to protect themselves, and that's what they did. And I think that's the, the best example that I see in the Scripture, that you can protect your home and protect your family, and that's what they did at that time. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I will go read it. Have a great night. Okay. Thank you. You bet. God bless you. Hey, thanks everybody for calling. Had a great show and good questions and pray that you have a good evening. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time on Calvary Live. So keep reading your Bibles. Keep asking for prayer. We'll be here to minister to you. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.